whether or not they're wearing masks is a is a question for uh, our next reporter here. Um, my guess is they're probably not going to be because that's pretty much what we've seen in other uh, Trump campaign rallies, uh, sporadic mask wearing, if anything, and what the spacing is like. Lauren Cox inside the Janesville Holiday Inn Express Conference Center. Good morning, Lauren. Yeah, so we're we're looking at uh, people slowly filling in, like you said, chairs very well spaced, maybe not quite six feet, but that's not going to be people shoulder to shoulder sitting in the conference center room here. You, you are correct in the slight change of the arrangement where it's spread out a little bit more vertically instead of horizontally the same way as before. Uh, as far as mask wearing goes, like you mentioned, it's about, you know, 50-50 in terms of people in line. But as you walk in, they have volunteers handing out those blue cotton masks as well as a little bottle of hand sanitizer so everyone can get and is handed and given the opportunity to have a mask and, and hand sanitizer. I think uh, I don't know how well they will, you know, go around enforcing it in terms of making sure people put on masks, but a number of people are walking in with them on already voluntarily. It seems like they're getting, like, like Stan was saying, very positive, a lot of compliance, and just kind of everybody's following suit. All right. Have you been given any guidance there, Lauren? I know you just got inside the venue there from the security sweep, uh, but as far as wh- how things are going to unfold there, who else might be speaking or anything like that? No one's given us a real schedule in that regard. I mean, I saw Congressman Brian Stile pull up in his vehicle. I've seen uh, some different volunteers from the Trump campaign as well. And I believe uh, Representative Amy Loudenbeck is around here somewhere. But no, we haven't gotten a, an official schedule or anything just yet. Just uh, everybody's still getting real set up. All right. Well, we are, uh, again, standing by to cover the uh, broadcast live. I am uh, told we've gathered all of our stuff and, and all the buttons are pushed and the things are plugged in right. And apparently <laughs> that's all working. So that's good news. And uh, for those of you that uh, can't be there and are, are just interested to hear what the uh, campaign purports to be, the reasons you should vote for the president and vice president here in November, uh, you're going to hear that. And uh, as uh, is our custom on WCLO, we cover these things whenever they're really within range of the listening audience. And so if you are at work or whatever, you can uh, pull this in and and uh, hopefully get the entire speech here uh, coming up in about an hour, about, you know, about an hour and 45 minutes well, is when we're scheduled. And there'll probably be some other folks that are talking um you know, perhaps Amy Loudenbeck or Brian Stell. Lauren, did you get a sense that any of the other Republican, either state or congressional delegation, is going to speak prior to President Pence or Vice President we Pence? Haven't, yeah, we, we haven't gotten much of a sense. I mean, I've seen people around, but as far as like an organization and the timing, I know they want to try and get you know, the vice president going you know, right at 11 o'clock, and, but the doors close at 1030. So you could presumably have that half-hour period going where uh, somebody else could take that time. I mean, unless everyone's just going to kind of sit around and talk to each other. I, I imagine they'll do some sort of pre-festivities, but if it's, I don't know if it's going to be any more than uh, an, an introduction speech kind of thing. All right. Um, well, good. I appreciate it. We'll be checking back in with you again in the 10 o'clock hour as well as we head into the vice president's remarks just after 11 o'clock this morning. That's Lauren Cox reporting live from inside the Janesville Holiday Inn Express Conference Center. Lauren Cox is our uh, reporter inside the venue, and uh, we got, uh, I think, uh, all plugged in now and hooked up to the official uh, broadcast equipment that we're going to have uh, Mr. Pence on in about an hour from now. Uh, Good morning, Lauren. Tell us uh, what's the latest from the Holiday Inn. 
Yeah, the inside of the conference center here is slowly filling up. I'd say we're at, you know, 60-ish percent capacity for at least how the chairs are set up now. The music is playing over the speakers. You might be able to catch a little bit of that in the background. People are, you know, a lot of smiles, a lot of high fives, handshakes, hugs, greetings. People kind of happy to be here, happy to kind of gather in an event like this. doesn't seem like there have been too many opportunities for things like this, but we're looking at currently 280 chairs are set up in here, about, again, 60% full, but uh, I talked to some of the security detail. They said they they have the capacity here to fill us up to even 400 if all these chairs fill up. we still got, what is it, a good 50 minutes, 55 minutes before everything is supposed to begin with all the speakers, and you know, the, the line out the door seems to be making the progress, and this, this at least the main crowd seems to kind of be here, but still plenty of time for more people to fill in. So your impression is there are roughly uh, 200 and between 250 and 300 seats available there? Correct, With and they said they'll bring in more chairs up to 400. All right, because I think um, I used to do a lot more work with the Holiday Express in my old job as promotions director. Uh, I think in a theater seating type of arrangement without a press area, I think they could get uh, right around 1,200 people in there. So they obviously are reducing (laughs) that capacity by a substantial amount, which uh, one would expect based on um, the the governor's mandates uh, that are there, both for uh, physical distancing and uh, for wearing of masks, and we'll see how that goes. It it is one of those things I think that people are watching a little bit. I I don't know how much it changes anybody's vote, uh, but you know our, our our elected officials willing to to follow the uh, rules in place that other elected officials have put in place. I, I think is a fair question that people may have. So. Um, so we will see. But as you said, uh, as you said earlier, they're making that stuff available so that in theory, uh, everybody could have a mask on and have some sanitizer, right? Correct. Everyone that walked in was at least offered a blue cotton mask. From what I've seen, a lot of people were actually accepting them. But now that we're inside the building, as I look around, you know, most people are still seated. All the chairs are three, four, five feet apart. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't say six. But as I look around, maybe a quarter of the people are actually wearing masks like one yeah about about one in four but for the most part people are fairly physically distanced most people are just kind of sitting in their chair leaning over to the people sitting you know three or four feet to them to the right and it's generally speaking the same group of people you walked in with that wouldn't have any advanced risk of exposure it's mostly that and then people taking pictures in front of the big you know, stand with all the flags where the vice president is going to be speaking from later. Give us a little, uh, paint us a little picture there of what the uh, the room looks like if you wanted to be a spectator but you could not be there today. Yeah, and of course, if anybody wants to see what the room looks like, we will go live on Facebook at 11 o'clock on the WCLO Facebook page. So you'll be able to get a visual to go with this description here. So you, you sort of walk in to the right. There's the vice president's stage sped up. They've got a whole... A row of sort of barriers that are covered in the red, white, and blue striped uh, insignia across the front. And to the left and the right of the rafters that he's set up on, you've got a, a very large blue Make America Great Again sign with the sort of the same Trump insignia around it. Then up on the stage, you've got Pence's actual podium and, and microphone set up there. Behind him, uh, five flags, three American flags, and or excuse me, six flags. Three American flags and three Wisconsin flags. A very clear distance between him and where the people are allowed to sit and as close as they can get is still probably 10 feet away from where the vice president is going to be able to stand. So there's a clear backstage area for him to 
I'm sure they're going to bring him in with the whole motorcade, and he'll kind of sort of sneak in the back and step out on stage and won't really have exposure to us or the public or anything, but uh, very well lit. They brought in these really nice, expensive lights. The whole production company was in here setting up. They got, like, these things, these, like, chandelier things hanging from the ceiling. They're, like, these rings that are all kind of wound around together. It almost looks like a, a planet, like Saturn, but with a bunch of different rings, and there's no center. They're just <laughs> rings hanging from the ceiling that light up very nicely. The... Um media area there was pretty extensive uh, what's your, what's your estimate there Lauren as far as uh, television coverage because usually it's been my experience that uh, we're one of the only uh, radio stations uh, that are around these days and most of its television cameras up there what's that looking like yeah I'm counting about 10 TV cameras plus uh, the Trump campaign itself has oh, we're getting a we're, we're about to begin a prayer here to start the uh, to start just the pre-ceremonies. Uh, Bob, do you want to put the... I mean, Tim, yeah, do you want to carry ahead. this prayer let's live? Go, let's go ahead and take a listen. All right, so um, a little uh, surprising, perhaps, because I know <laughs> the uh, doors were scheduled to uh, not close to the uh, entering public until 10.30, so uh, sort of kicking off the program there a little bit early, perhaps, Lauren. Yeah, I was surprised. Well, it, it could be a sign that Again, I can't see the line out the door from where we're broadcasting here, but it could be a sign that everyone that was lined up is in and they'll take people as they come in. But otherwise, this may be it. And still, I would say a good maybe even 100 chairs still open. Definitely more than 50, but maybe not quite 100. So not you know two out of the 280 capacity still still filling in, still plenty of breathing room, which I, I certainly appreciate as well in terms of a, a public health standpoint. But I think the only other speaker we have left before Pence is Congressman Style, who's going to do more of a formal introduction. And either, one of the volunteers for the campaign mentioned there might be one other speaker, but she wasn't really sure, so I don't have a lot of details on that. But otherwise, it'll probably be Pence, or it'll probably be Style right at 11 o'clock, and then when he's done, Pence will come on. All right, uh, Lauren, we will check back in with you here uh, in a bit. Lauren Cox from inside the uh, venue. I Lauren, I just got a text from Stan saying that. Um, apparently everyone is pretty much inside a few stragglers still walking up what is the scene there from inside the holiday Inn express jamesville conference center yeah, it was supposed to be doors closed at 10 30 but I, I do see people still sort of trickling in as far as seating goes around here it looks like pretty much everything is filled there's a couple of you know individual spots here and there but a lot of people standing. I mean, it feels like standing room only, essentially. If if everyone, if every chair was filled, there would still be more people standing. A lot of people up kind of by the stage still posing with pictures. There's currently a guy who's got a Trump flag wrapped over his shoulders like a cape doing a Superman pose <laughs> in front of the flags up there and taking some pictures where, uh, where the vice president will be speaking. So a lot of enthusiasm, a, a lot of passion, a lot of picture taken, a lot of people. You know, I, th I think, you know, it's, it's not like ruckus. You know, it's fairly calm. Everyone's sort of... Happy, smiling, enjoying, and uh, excited to see the vice president speak. All right. Uh, any uh, any further info on the program there, Lauren? Uh, I know they they're light on details. Usually, once you get in there, you just wait for stuff to happen. <laughs> yeah, and even even the people organizing it tend to be fairly light on details. You know, like I talked to Congressman Stiles, uh, press person. She, she knows the congressman's going to speak. We don't really know what time. And like the Trump campaign organizers from Janesville and the Rock County Republican Party and stuff. They kind of know what's going to happen, but there's no real itinerary. I guess it's just whenever he gets here from the airport, like you said, uh, they'll start moving things forward. Well, uh, yeah, we are, as, as you maybe heard, uh, we surmise that yeah. uh, he is uh, probably going to arrive via the uh, freeway just because of uh, some reports we've been getting out there. I have no idea if that's uh, confirmable or not, but 
but he has landed. I uh, got a picture texted to us of the plate on the ground at the Southern Wisconsin Regional Airport. So we know he's on his way. And uh, (laughs) we will uh, probably check back uh, in with you just before the top of the hour here and kind of judge how we'll uh, take the coverage at that point from inside the Holiday Inn Express. Lauren Cox reporting live for us. Brian Stile, who is now speaking out at the Holiday Inn Express. Good morning, Janesville. And Vice President Mike Pence, welcome back to Wisconsin. I'm excited to have the Vice President here in my hometown today. And good to see you, Mom and Dad. Thanks for coming. In many ways, 2020 has been a difficult year. And this weekend, we saw again how difficult the job of law enforcement can be. And as the nation kept the men and women of law enforcement serving in Kenosha in their prayers, today we need to keep two sheriff's deputies in Los Angeles County in our prayers as they recover from a horrific, evil, and difficult act on law enforcement in Los Angeles. The men and women of law enforcement wake up every day not knowing what the call will bring but they know that they are going to answer it. I was on the ground in Kenosha as law enforcement was working to restore public safety to our community. I spoke with people who are petrified. They're scared for their personal safety. They're scared for the safety of their family. They were concerned that their place of employment might not be standing the next day. They were scared for their city. And it was heartbreaking to walk the streets of Kenosha and to see our community in pain. On Tuesday morning of that week, I called the president to get Kenosha the help it needed. He answered my call, and President Trump delivered resources to the city of Kenosha and said, enough is enough. Federal law enforcement agents worked hand-in-hand with local law enforcement to restore public safety to Kenosha. And I can tell you, we're on the road to recovery. We're healing, we're uniting, and Kenosha is rebuilding and will be stronger than ever before. Many of the law enforcement that are here today, folks you saw coming in, are from across Rock County. Janesville Police Department, Beloit Police Department, Rock County Sheriff's deputies. Not only do they serve our community, but when neighboring communities need assistance, they answer the call. Members of the Rock County Sheriff's Department assisted local law enforcement in Kenosha during the recent violence and unrest. When I met with local law enforcement, I heard their stories. I spoke with a Rock County Sheriff's deputy who showed me a concrete brick that had been thrown at one of our Rock County Sheriff's deputies. I asked the president, when I talked to him on the phone, to come to Kenosha and personally thank the men and women of law enforcement firsthand. As I stood next to the president in Kenosha, the look on their eyes as the president said thank you was a sight to see. President Trump 
Vice President Pence and I oppose defunding police and back the badge. And as a way to say thanks, I ask you to join me to give a round of applause for all of our local law enforcement officers, Janesville to Kenosha and across our state. Thank you for what you all do. Today, I'm proud to have the vice president in Wisconsin once again. We're 50 days away to the election, and on November 3rd, we have a choice. A choice that will take our country down one of two paths. A choice as to who is best to rebuild the United States economy. A choice as to who will keep our communities safe. And to me, the choice is clear. President Trump and Vice President Pence are fighting for Wisconsin families and workers. We're fighting, we're fighting to get workers back to work, fighting to protect our health, fighting to keep America safe, fighting because we know this is a country worth fighting for because our better days are ahead. Now, Vice President Mike Pence may be a Hoosier, but his frequent visits to Wisconsin have got me thinking that he's got some Badger pride. But not only does the Vice President visit Wisconsin, he listens to us. He understands the importance of ensuring that every Wisconsin worker who wants a job can find a job. He knows that trade deals like USMCA are good for Wisconsin workers and Wisconsin farmers. And Vice President Pence stands with the men and women of law enforcement. I am proud to welcome Vice President Mike Pence to Wisconsin. Please join me in giving a warm Wisconsin welcome to our Vice President, Mike Pence. So there you heard the introductory remarks from Congressman Brian Stile. Vice President making his way to the stage. We should have his remarks for you momentarily. Lauren Cox standing by, I think. He's got like a cell phone in one hand doing Facebook Live winners. I'm not sure if he can hear us. <laughs> um, Lauren, if you're there, feel free to jump in. Well, hello, Wisconsin. Vice President Mike Pence. To Congressman Style, to all my fellow Americans from near and far, it is great to be back in the Badger State. But I'm here for one reason and one reason only, and that is that Wisconsin and America need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House.
It's still early in the day, and you still got that done. I'm really... Great job. Hey, and while we're at it, we need Janesville to send a rising star back to Washington, D.C. in a new Republican majority. We need Congressman Brian Stile back in the U.S. House of Representatives. It needs something. What a great young guy. What a great young guy. Had big shoes to fill here in Janesville, and he's already arrived in Washington, D.C., and emerged as one of the great conservative voices in our nation's capital. Would you join me in just thanking his mom and dad? How proud are you? Stand up and take a bow, will you, folks? I'll tell you what. What a great family. You know, before I get started, I know I'm speaking for everybody here. When I express our support and our prayers for all of those affected by the wildfires out west and those that are in the path of Hurricane Sally. You'll be glad to know President Trump approved a major disaster declaration for the state of California in less than 24 hours. He'll be on the ground uh, on the west coast today in California. He's meeting with Governor Newsom and emergency officials. FEMA is also on the scene there and in the Gulf. And all of those that are in harm's way in the Gulf or on the West Coast know that you're in our prayers and know that we're going to stay with you every step of the way until we build back bigger and better than ever before. That's our promise. You know, four years ago, a movement was born, a movement of everyday Americans from every walk of life. I saw it everywhere that I traveled across the country then and in every day since. I mean, the truth is, here in Wisconsin, you believe we could be strong again. You believe we could be prosperous again. You believe America could be respected again. You said yes to President Donald Trump in 2016, and I know in 50 days from today, Wisconsin's going to say yes to four more years of President Donald Trump in 2020. And the road to victory runs right through Wisconsin. I mean, look how far we've come because of the confidence that you placed in this president and in our team. Four years ago, we inherited a military hollowed out by devastating budget cuts, an economy struggling to break out of the slowest recovery since the Great Depression. Terrorism was on the rise around the world, and we witnessed a steady assault on our most cherished values and liberties. But in three short years, we rebuilt our military. We revived our economy. We cut taxes, rolled back red tape, unleashed American energy, fought for free and fair trade, and the American economy came roaring back in those first three years. Wow. And this president kept his promise. We've appointed more than 200 judges to our federal courts at every level, and I'm here to tell you they are all principled conservatives who will support the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution, like the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, and the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. 
Beyond all of those high ideals, I couldn't be more proud to serve as Vice President to a President who has stood without apology for the sanctity of human life. So under President Trump's leadership, we've stood for security, we've stood for our liberties, we've stood for prosperity and our highest values. And President Donald Trump has stood every day with the men and women who serve in law enforcement, and we will stand with them for four more years. You know, the President and I know that the men and women who serve in law enforcement are some of the best people in this country. They literally put their lives on the line every day. They, they count our lives more important than their own. And those who serve in law enforcement deserve the respect of every American every day. Tragically, this weekend, we all witnessed more, another round of attacks on those who wear the uniform. Two brave sheriff's deputies in Los Angeles were literally shot in cold blood, while some stood on the street corner opposite of the incident and laughed. And we're actually told that protesters gathered outside the hospital and chanted, we hope they die. You know, one of those sheriff's deputies, I learned, is a mother of a six-year-old. The other sheriff's deputy is just 24 years old. They were both on the job for less than a year. And I want to tell them and their families and all those who love and cherish our law enforcement that we are so glad to hear they are on the road to recovery. They will remain in our hearts and in our prayers. But I have to tell you, you know, the President and I will always support the right of Americans to peaceful protest. But rioting and looting is not peaceful protest. Burning businesses is not free speech. Bringing violence against innocent civilians or those in law enforcement must stop, and it must stop now. Those who do such things will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And you've seen this President's leadership up close, not far from here. When rioting and looting broke, off, broke out in Kenosha, Wisconsin, President Trump sent in 200 federal law enforcement officers, worked with your courageous state and local law enforcement, and ended the violence. In fact, in fact, over the last month, we launched what's called Operation Legend. Literally, we've deployed over a thousand federal law enforcement officials to our major cities that have been seeing violent protests. And as we stand here today, 
working with state and local law enforcement officials, I'm proud to report they've made over 2,000 arrests of violent protesters all across the country. We are going to have law and order in every city, in every state in this country for every American of every race and creed and color. So help us God. You know, for months, all Joe Biden ever talked about was peaceful protesters. As the American people watch businesses and communities in our major cities burn. Now, two weeks ago, he did condemn violence in every form it takes. But right after that, he criticized law enforcement. And Joe Biden has never called out his campaign staff or his running mate for raising money for bail for violent criminals. And he still hasn't called on Democrat mayors to get their cities under control. You know, the truth is, Joe Biden would double down on all the policies that have led to violence in America's cities. I mean, when you signal a lack of support or waning support for law enforcement, it emboldens those. It emboldens those who threaten our families and our cities. So let me be clear. We're going to stand with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line of law enforcement, whether it's in Los Angeles or Rochester or Kenosha. We are going to back the blue. Now, Joe Biden, Joe Biden says that America is systemically racist and that law enforcement, in his words, has a, quote, implicit bias against minorities. When asked whether he'd support cutting funding to law enforcement, Joe Biden actually replied, quote, yes, absolutely. But under this president, this vice president, and this administration, I'll make you a promise. We're not going to defund the police, not now, not ever. President Trump and I know what the people of Wisconsin know. We don't need to choose between supporting law enforcement and standing with our African-American neighbors or any of the minorities that live in our cities to improve the quality of their lives, their education, their jobs, and their security. From the first day of this administration, we have stood with law enforcement. We have expanded opportunities for African Americans. We have done both for three and a half years. We're going to do both for four more years in the White House. So in three short years, we rebuilt our military. We revived our economy. We stood for law and order. And the results, I can tell you, having traveled to 30 countries around the world, America is standing tall again. We have a president who embraces his role as leader of the free world. We have a president that doesn't apologize for America. He stands for America. And America is respected again. Our liberties are more secure. And in those first three years, 
It's also been about jobs, jobs, jobs. It's amazing to think. After we cut taxes, rolled back regulation, unleashed American energy, and negotiated better trade deals, businesses large and small created more than 7 million good-paying jobs all across this country. And wages rose at their fastest pace in more than 10 years. And what meant the most to the president and me was that wages rose most dramatically for hard-working, blue-collar Americans. The forgotten men and women of America were forgotten no more. I mean, we created the greatest economy in the world. At the end of those first three years, there were more Americans working than ever before. Bottom line, in three short years, we made America great again. We did. And then the coronavirus struck from China. And the people of Wisconsin deserve to know that before the very first documented case of community transmission within our country, President Trump did what no other American president had ever done. He suspended all travel from China. He put the health of America first. Now, Joe Biden uh, called that xenophobic. But the truth is, I can tell you firsthand, having led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that action alone saved untold American lives, and it bought us invaluable time to stand up the greatest national mobilization since World War II. At the President's direction, we marshaled not only the full resources of the federal government, but the full potential of the American economy. We reinvented testing where we literally have done more testing than any nation in the world by a factor of five. We're doing 800,000 tests a day. We saw to the delivery and the manufacture of billions of medical supplies to our doctors and nurses and hospitals, and no American who required a ventilator was ever denied a ventilator in the United States of America. Now, our hearts go out to all the families that have lost loved ones in the course of this pandemic. And there's not a day gone by that those families haven't been in our hearts and in our prayers, including the more than 1,000 families here in the state of Wisconsin. But I'm proud to report to you that every single day we're developing new medicines that are saving lives across the country. Convalescent plasma, remdesivir, the innovation that we're seeing in the development of therapeutics. And even though Joe Biden said, and I quote, no miracle is coming, we are on track to have the first coronavirus vaccine before the end of this year. America's in the miracle business. I mean, because of what we've all done together as a nation, because of this president's leadership, we've, we're slowing the spread. We're protecting the vulnerable. We're saving lives and developing life-saving medicines. And in the midst of this pandemic, this president's also worked with leaders in the Congress, including Congressman Stile. And we secured more than $4 trillion in support, direct aid to American families, and a paycheck protection program that saved 50 million American jobs. It's true. Now, we're going to continue to put the health of America first because of the strong foundation that we poured in those first three years. 
And with the unprecedented aid that we were able to provide to families and businesses, large and small, after losing 22 million jobs at the height of this pandemic, we've seen 10.6 million Americans already go back to work, including 200,000 people right here in Wisconsin. I mean, we're opening up America again, and we're opening up America's schools. We're going to get there, Wisconsin. We're going to get there together. And I want to commend each and every one of you for the role that you've played in these challenging times. I mean, we've gone through a time of testing. But as I like to say, we're soon coming to a time for choosing. Fifty days from today, the American people have a choice to make. As President Trump said in Michigan just a couple of days ago, and I quote, at no time before has there been a clearer choice between the two parties, two visions, two philosophies, two agendas for the future. Truth is, Joe Biden has put forward the most extreme platform of any major party candidate in U.S. history. In the middle of a global pandemic, Joe Biden wants to raise taxes by $4 trillion. Your president, we cut taxes across the board for working families, and we're going to keep cutting taxes for four more years. Joe Biden wants to bury our economy under an avalanche of red tape, like his own version of the Green New Deal. You know, the only thing green about the Green New Deal is how much green it's going to cost all of us if they ever sign it into law. This president, he actually signed more laws cutting federal red tape than any president in American history already, and we're going to keep chopping red tape to create jobs for four years to come. You know, when we took office, China was literally half of our international trade deficit. $500 billion a year going to China in a trade deficit. It's incredible. But President Trump made it clear that the era of economic surrender was over. Joe Biden, he's been a cheerleader for communist China throughout his career. He actually wants to repeal all the tariffs that are leveling the playing field today for American workers. I'll make you a promise. President Trump hasn't all just stood up to China. We're going to keep standing up to China until they open their markets and put American workers on a level playing field. Because when American workers are on a level playing field, we can win anywhere in the world. But it wasn't just our relationship with China. You know, Joe Biden was one of those folks who voted for NAFTA. I don't have to tell neighbors here across the heartland about the impact NAFTA had. 60,000 factories actually closed in the years since NAFTA was signed into law. And when Joe Biden was vice president, they did nothing to fix it, nothing to take out the incentives that existed in NAFTA to move jobs south of our border. But thanks to President Trump's leadership, 
NAFTA is history and the USMCA is here to stay. And you all in Wisconsin know. I mean, under the, under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, Canada is ending their unfair treatment of dairy farmers. And we're actually expected to increase our dairy exports from here in Wisconsin and all across the country by $300 million a year. That's a lot of milk. But it's not just milk. I mean, USMCA is actually expected to create 600,000 new jobs, including 50,000 manufacturing jobs. I got to tell you, it's just amazing. Remember the last administration? You had a president in the summer of 2016 who was asked about manufacturing jobs being lost in places like Wisconsin and Indiana and Michigan. And he said they were never coming back, remember? He said, what magic wand do you have? They'd lost 200,000 manufacturing jobs under the last administration. Well, we didn't need a magic wand. We just needed President Donald Trump in the White House. 500,000 manufacturing jobs in our first three years. That's all you need. You know, when it comes to trade, when it comes to taxes, regulation, I'm telling you what, you've got a president who will always put American jobs and American workers first. And where Joe Biden and the radical left want to crush American energy, I mean, part of what's fueling this American comeback we're experiencing today is low-cost energy for families and for businesses. But Joe Biden wants to raise the cost of electricity for every household and every business in Wisconsin. This president... He unleashed American energy. And believe it or not, we're now a net exporter of energy for the first time in 70 years. Low-cost energy and energy independence. That's the leadership of President Donald Trump. And that's the choice. The choice is clear, whether it's security, whether it's prosperity, but it's also a clear choice when it comes to values. And this president, from very early on, has stood strong for our most cherished liberties. And President Donald Trump and our administration has stood for the religious freedom of every American of every faith. And we always will. You know, the freedom of religion has been called our first freedom. And even a casual study of the American founding will demonstrate you that people came to this country early on for many reasons, but chief among them was the freedom of religion. And that's, the, that's why this president took such strong steps early on. He's the first president in American history to actually convene an international conference on religious liberty, not once, but twice. He spoke at the United Nations about our commitment to the freedom of religion. He ended the enforcement of the Johnson Amendment so that pulpits around the country could be free to speak once again. 
and President Donald Trump ended the assault on the Little Sisters of the Poor, and this year the Supreme Court made it permanent. I mean, why that even had to happen, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I was an altar boy. And I grew up in a wonderful Catholic family. I mean, you've got a group of nuns that take a pledge of poverty to spend their entire lives helping the poor. But when Joe Biden was vice president, they became a target of the administration, a target of Obamacare mandates. And believe it or not, after the Supreme Court, by a 7-2 to vote, said that President Trump was right when we ended the assault on the Little Sisters of the Poor, Joe Biden actually said they're going to take it up again to impose those Obamacare mandates back on the Little Sisters of the Poor. But we're not going to let it happen. Because we're going to re-elect President Donald Trump for four more years. It's not just been about our religious liberty, it's also been about an issue so near and dear to the hearts of tens of millions of Americans in my little family. In Joe Biden, you have a candidate who actually supports taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. It's extraordinary. Throughout his career, Joe Biden was one of those Democrats that said he supported abortion rights, but he always voted for what's known as the Hyde Amendment, which prevented the use of taxpayer dollars from being used to fund abortion. But last year, Joe Biden abandoned that, and now he supports taxpayer funding of abortion. And I couldn't be more proud to serve alongside a president who stands for the right to life. And we always will. You know, Joe Biden is actually calling for historic increases in funding for the largest abortion provider in America, Planned Parenthood. And I got to tell you, it was my privilege, my privilege as President of the Senate to cast the tie-breaking vote that would allow states across America to defund Planned Parenthood, and President Donald Trump signed it into law. You know, when you look at their agenda in detail, which they didn't talk about much at their national convention, did you notice that? And if you look at it in detail, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. But men and women across Wisconsin, we got to talk about it in the next 50 days. I mean, the truth is, when you look at that agenda, you can see that Joe Biden would be nothing more than a Trojan horse for the radical left. I mean, the choice in this election has never been clearer, and the stakes have never been higher. Joe Biden said in his convention that democracy was on the ballot. Well, I think our economic recovery is on the ballot. Law and order are on the ballot. But I also believe that there are things more foundational to our country that are on the ballot as well. I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
In this election, I think 50 days from now, it's not going to be so much whether America ends up more conservative or more liberal, more Republican or more Democrat, more red or more blue. I think the choice in this election is whether America remains America. So we've got to decide right here and right now that we are going to fight to leave our children and grandchildren a country grounded in our highest ideals. Freedom, free markets, the unalienable right to life and liberty. I mean, we stand, we stand at a crossroads in a very real sense. You know, my wife, uh, my wife loves poetry. Robert Frost is her favorite poet. And the poem she likes the most is the one that talks about two roads diverge in a woods. It says, uh, Two roads diverged in a woods, and I, I took the road less traveled by. And it's made all the difference. The American people have always taken the road less traveled by. The road of more freedom, of more personal responsibility, of boundless opportunity. And we've got to make sure in 50 days that we choose that road again. We've got to decide right here and right now that Joe Biden will never be president of the United States. We're going to re-elect <laughs> President Donald Trump for four more years. The stakes are that high, and the opportunity is that great. The president was talking about all our plans at our national convention and just a couple of days ago in Michigan. You know, four more years means more jobs. Four more years means more judges. Four more years means more support for our police. More support for our troops. And it's going to take at least four more years to drain that swamp. So it's on, Wisconsin, 50 days and counting. Now, it really is great being with all of you. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for coming out on a Monday morning. It really is very humbling for me. And while I got you, can I just say, Thank you for the privilege of serving as your vice president. It's the greatest honor in the world. But now we have work to do. Now we have work to do. Because I want to be your vice president for four more years.
You know, it was interesting. A little more than four years ago, I'd only met our president a couple of times. It's true. We didn't know each other very well before he called me to ask me to join this ticket. And um, we've gotten to be very close over the last four years. I mean, some people think we're kind of different. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, seeing him when the cameras are off, I'll tell you, straight from my heart, President Donald Trump has never stopped fighting to keep the promises that he made to the people of Wisconsin. He has fought for you every day. And now it's our turn to fight for him. So I encourage you. I got a plane to catch. I'm actually going to Montana today. And sadly, there's not a horse in my future. But it's really been great being with you today. I want to encourage you to get out and tell the story. I want, to say, I want you to you know, say I was in Janesville the other day. I ran into Mike. Early on a Monday morning, that guy seemed so fired up about everything that we have done for America. And he said, we're just getting started. That's why we need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. You've got to go tell him. Tell your neighbors and friends. And when you do, and when you do, you know, when you get out there and talk to your neighbors and your friends at work, at worship, you know, across a backyard fence, just, she just tapped her watch and said, I want to get out there. <laughs> she said, let's go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she said, wear your heart on your sleeve. Let people see your heart. And see the difference that you know this president's made in the country. That's a beautiful line. Thank you so much. But just tell them what we've done. Tell them what the stakes are. Tell them what the stakes are. I think the choice has never been clearer and the stakes have never been higher. And just when you go out, just have, have faith. Have faith in your neighbors and friends to be able to see through the onslaught, the constant attacks that come from the other side and their allies in the media, to see through, to, to know everything this president has done for this country and everything that we have yet to do. I mean, the American people saw through it in 2016, and I know they're going to see through it on November 3rd, 2020. And lastly, I'd encourage you to have that other kind of faith, too. You know, it seems like if you turn on the television these days that there's, there's more than divides us in these United States than ever before. But I'll always believe that there's, there's always been more that unites us across this country than could ever divide us. And chief among those things is our faith. This is a nation of faith. And so I just say if, if you're inclined like the Pences to bow the head and bend the knee, I'd encourage you to do that, too, over the next 50 days. And on this one, I, I'm not so much asking that you pray for a candidate or for a cause as much as um, you just pray for our country. Pray for all the American people. Because I'll always believe those ancient words 
that if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray, he'll do like he's always done through much more challenging times even than we face today. He'll hear from heaven, and he'll heal this land, this one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So pray for America. And if you all do that, I know that with your continued support, with your voice, with you, she said it, you wear that passion, wear that red hat, and wear that love for all that we've done together on your sleeve. Between now and November 3rd, we're going to lead a great American comeback. We're going to make Wisconsin and America stronger and more prosperous than ever before. We're going to make it safer, more secure than ever before. And with President Donald Trump in the White House for four more years and Congressman Brian Stile in a new Republican majority in the Congress of the United States, and with God's help, we will make America great again. Again. Thank you very much. God bless you, and God bless America. We'll just kind of leave that in the background, just in case something else happens from the stage. But there you heard the remarks from Vice President Mike Pence. And Lauren has ended our Facebook Live video. So if you want to see the video from that, it'll be up on our Facebook page shortly if you missed it in its live version. So we have um, Lauren Cox standing by inside the venue where the uh, post-event music is cranked up and roaring. Uh, Lauren, what's the, <laughs> initial the what's, the, what's the initial reaction out there from the group? Yeah, a lot of enthusiasm, and really the enthusiasm, as you could probably hear from the start, it was a uh, it was a lot of uh, a lot of cheering, a lot of chanting, a lot of clapping, a lot of people really fired up for this this speech. And like you said, I mean Pence as a speaker, it's not like energy turned out to eleven all the time, but he knows how to like accentuate and accent certain you know points that really kind of got the crowd fired up. But right now we've got a, a lot of picture taking. You know, Pence came down from the uh, the rafters of the di- you know up where he was kind of stationed and. You know, not letting anybody like come up right next to him, but a lot of people turning around taking selfies with him right behind them. I believe he gra- he took someone's MAGA hat and signed it or something along those lines. He was kind of you know, look, it was almost like a celebrity kind of treatment in that regard. I wasn't, I couldn't tell exactly what he was doing, but a lot of pictures posing with the congressman, posing with some of the other officials that have been up there, and uh, he's he has now since left the stage, and we've got. Uh, Brian Stiles up now with his parents uh, up at the front of the stage. They're here. He even shouted them out in the speech. He's been kind of doing some handshaking and pointing. But uh, he's actually walking around a little bit toward our direction, but I'm not sure if he's coming straight to us. He's about to meet with his PR person. She's giving me the thumbs up. So I think he's going to come right back to us here. But we will uh, monitor this. Yep, here he is walking this way. He's going to—he's giving us the first, the first crack at it here. So... I, I'm literally just going to hand over my my headphones. Yeah, I'm going to hand over my headphones and my microphone here. Bob can hand over his headphones at least, but I'll give style. We just have the one microphone. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've got uh, the Congress, Congressman. We are, we've got Tim Bremel live on the other line in the studio. I'm sure you can hear me talking. I'm going to hand you the microphone and give it to you. All right, so Congressman Brian Tim, style. good to hear you. Good to hear from you, sir. Uh, you met uh, the vice president at the airport, we're informed. Uh, did you then bring the motorcade up to the Holiday Inn? 
I think Cartman's having trouble hearing you. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him my headphones because mine right. are coming through nice and clearly. So, uh, <laughs> now Tim, I can't hear you, but I'm gonna hand the microphone back to him. And now ask the question again. Tim, Te- now I got you. Technical uh, on the fly stuff here, Congressman. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so we uh, we uh, we noted by a photo from uh, Channel 27. Uh, you met the vice president uh, at the airport. Uh, what was his mood there? And then did you uh, travel with him in the motorcade? I did. So I, I got up this morning, went down to the uh, the airport. He landed. We came up here to the Holiday Inn Convention Center in Janesville, which is just a few blocks from my home here in Janesville. And I think it was a great, great message here he delivered about what it's going to take really to rebuild the United States, to get ourselves and everyone who wants a job back to work, keep our community safe, keep America healthy. He was in a great mood, great reception here in the, uh, in the conference center in Janesville. And really an honor to have the Vice President of the United States here with us in Janesville. Certainly. Um, and, and we expect this state to be, again, uh, one of those battleground states as uh, President Trump won it by a very narrow margin in 2016. Uh, from, from your standpoint, as a uh, supporter of the uh, current administration, Congressman Stile, uh, what is it going to take to keep Wisconsin in a, the Republican column here come November? With 50 days to go, I think what's so critical is getting the message out. And as I told the vice president, I think it's great. He's here in Janesville, uh, and in particular all across kind of the broader Madison TV market, to come and to talk directly with voters, listen to voters here in the state of Wisconsin, and really to begin this conversation about the direction that we have an opportunity to take our country, about rebuilding and getting Wisconsin back to work, about protecting America's health, uh, and keeping our communities safe. And the president, talk, the vice president, talked about that, a number of other topics today, and was very well received here in the uh, at the Holiday Inn in Janesville. What is your impression, Congressman, uh, as it relates to what I think is going to become the central argument uh, between the two camps here as we go forward, and that's the response to the pandemic. I know there's there's been some twisting in the wind early on about how we how we approach that uh, on each side of the aisle. Um, but the reality is I, I don't think it's, it's ringing true to many people that you can blame uh, the, the initial development of a pandemic on a president, whoever it is, uh, and therefore the things that happened as far as crashing the economy and those kinds of things. Uh, you know, we can talk about it, and, and there's a lot of opinion out there, but um, what, is, uh, what is going to be, you think, the uh, deciding factor for people when it comes to the handling of the pandemic as it relates to how it might inform people's vote. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff at stake. People are looking for us to ultimately defeat this virus and keep America healthy. And I think people are going to look back at the early days of the pandemic as the president made decisions uh, to terminate uh, air travel with China, the ramping up of the PPP uh, production of uh, all the protective equipment that was needed about making sure that the ventilators were built in those early days, about getting protective equipment to nurses and doctors. I think the president did a solid job of making sure that we were doing all we could to keep America healthy. And ultimately, uh, we had a uh, campaign appearance here uh, for the first time, uh, probably for you as well, uh, that um, included... A fair amount of physical distancing. I, I noted when I was there very early this morning uh, that the chairs were not set up in the traditional edge-to-edge-to-edge rows. Uh, I noted there were uh, masks available, as Lauren uh, outlined. Um, what was your feeling on the overall uh, adherence to the governor's mandate here in Wisconsin 
regarding those safety provisions. Yeah, I, I look around the room while I was standing up uh, introducing the vice president. It looked like people were following those safety procedures. As you said, uh, the room was spaced out, chairs you know, roughly six feet apart, people separated, people, as I'm looking around, wearing masks. Um, looks like a good way of following you know, good safety advice but that you're getting day in and day out from your doctor, but also finding a way to, to be together and to hear the vice president's message uh, here in James. I think it was done safely, and I think it was a really terrific event. All right, Congressman Brian Stahl, we appreciate you uh, kind of following up the event with us here this morning, and we will uh, obviously be looking forward to uh, getting in touch with your uh, campaign and uh, Mr. Pollock's campaign and uh, looking to set up a, a debate to talk about these issues further uh, in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. All right, thank you. Congressman Brian Stahl, live from the Holiday Inn Express Janesville Conference Center.